Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It may be true that you never get a second chance to make a first impression, but when you're a professional wrestler, you will get multiple chances to turn up on live television with potential new viewers every single week and make a new one. And, as you'll soon find out, the very best wrestlers certainly know how to make an entrance and make it count. I'm Adam Nicholas, this is What Culture Wrestling, and these are 10 secret genius details behind wrestler entrances. Number 10. Malachi Black Owns the Darkness At AEW Dynamite Homecoming, Malachi Black appeared to materialise from some unknowable void in an instantly iconic superstar entrance layered in its brilliance. He entered through three phases of pitch blackness to convey the broad darkness at his character's core, but this doubled as a neat metaphorical touch. In his awesome squash match against Cody Rhodes, he exerted total dominance over his opponent. This was a theatrical illustration of his violent in-ring mastery. The number three is also relevant. He was Tommy End and then Alistair Black, a character he has retconned to make sense of its failure before transforming into Malachi. In a somewhat left-field move, the sludgy, agonised post-metal of Armin Ra soundtracked him to the ring. But it wasn't just used because it's a band of which Black is fond. The title of the song, as illuminated by Metal Injection, shares a parallel with his character. Organ Trust is the parasitic eyebright plant used to treat eye infections. In WWE, Alistair's eye was damaged, and now it's infected. AEW actually cares more about WWE continuity than WWE. Number 9. John Moxley Fires Up This isn't actually an exquisite, crafted, hidden or subtle detail. It's the opposite, if anything. It's a primal reaction elicited by his people. It's as antithetical to the title of the list as John Moxley is to Dean Ambrose. But it nonetheless is genius, because after well over a year of tainted life asterisked with the constant uncertainty, even when the news looked halfway positive, he makes pro wrestling feel life-affirming all over again. After so much empty arena wrestling, distanced fans and virtual fans, Moxley feeds off that live crowd energy whenever he storms to the ring. The entrance is also antithetical to the robotic mandated posing of WWE's heavily regulated content factory, which in itself is a very intelligent choice. The entrance is never the same. He walks among his people, even if admittedly that maybe still isn't the best idea. He steals beer and smashes it against his head like a certain other folk hero, more on him in just a bit, and he grabs the nearest object to hand and in a fit of amped up passion throws said object as far away from himself as possible regardless of where it might end up. He absolutely loves this shit and this shit almost felt lost forever. Number 8. Daniel Bryan basically gives zero f***s. Beyond the ingenious crowd interaction, there are two wonderful details behind Daniel Bryan's old fingers crossed WWE entrance. When Daniel Bryan first decided to congratulate himself on the way to the ring, he didn't ask permission or fear reprisal. He genuinely just did it 
because he thought it would be funny. His carefree, oblivious demeanor, i.e. his real-life personality, allowed him to bond with the audience in a development more obvious than a typical WWE Raw card. He thought it would be funny because he was enchanted by Diego Sanchez's UFC entrance in which he would hype himself up by repeatedly shouting, yes. Of course, Brian was smart enough to tweak the bit and inform his deluded paper-by-will champion gimmick. Celebrating his chicken sh- run as if it was some monumental and just achievement, it was heel work that was so hyper-entertaining that it inevitably turned him face. Number seven, the Road Warriors picked the perfect theme. The entrance is simple. Two massive muscle monsters packaged as apocalyptic warlords rush to the ring, with very little sense of ceremony en route to ripping two pale dorks to shreds. Or, you know way to that effect. The act was a total sensation at its 80s peak. It was irresistibly of the time. Hawk and Animal looked like they had parachuted into the arena, not from the Mad Max movie set, but from the setting. The point of what got wrestling over in the 1980s tends to get lost now. Men of that era grew brand new, massive, artificially enhanced bodies, and not one of them had the same badass Hellcat aura as the Road Warriors. Truth be told, any metal-chugging riff probably would have sufficed, really, but the Warriors picked the very best one, Black Sabbath's Iron Man. The opening dirge of Tony Iommi's gut-wrenching riff is the pure sound of slow dread encroaching, precisely what any poor jobber in the ring would feel at the prospect of getting dropped haphazardly on their poor, poor necks. Number six, Kenny Omega rubs it in your face. Now, throughout 2019 and much of 2020, Kenny Omega was hit with accusations that he was a failure on North American TV. Anyone with half a brain knows this is absolute nonsense. If he were, the episodic subtlety of his relationship with Hangman Page wouldn't resonate with the heft that it does now that it's imploded. But in fairness, you can understand why people were making this accusation. Omega was positioned in the tag team division, he didn't cut too many promos, and he wasn't the guy. But of course, there's method to this particular madness. You see, when Don Callis cuts a promo saying that Omega thinks in years, it's not actually just heel shtick. Omega deliberately scaled his presence back to allow Chris Jericho to act as a bridge. All the while, he negged his partner Hangman Page with the aim of making him in year three. Year two belonged to the cleaner and he switched his star power on almost as quickly as light. Soundtracked by three separate phases of music and a display of piss-funny hyperbole, flanked by two telegenic dancers, Omega emerged as a caricature to underscore just how silly the idea of being an actual wrestling star really is. And the whole thing is designed to eventually get Paige over as the real, relatable babyface of these anxious 21st century times. You might not like it, but Don Callis was right, ladies and gentlemen. Kenny Omega thinks in years. Number five, Chris Jericho builds the anticipation. Chris Jericho arrived in the WWF as a savior figure amongst the hardcore set, which is absolutely crazy when you think about it. The ratings were monstrous in the early summer of 1999, but still something was missing. And that something was undercards that aren't polluted by totally drab plotters. He was the perfect composite character for the Monday Night Wars era, a gifted bell-to-bell worker and catchphrase generator overflowing with charisma and creativity. He pinpointed everything that got over and packaged it all together. He arrived following an all-timer of a hype job, but like the best showman, he made the crowd wait that little bit longer. Per his recent appearance on Broken Skull Sessions with Stone Cold Steve Austin, he drew inspiration from the very best showman, Michael Jackson. And yes, it may be weird putting Michael Jackson over in 2021, but his status as a pop culture icon is undeniable. And after watching him in concert in Paris years earlier, Jericho borrowed his trick. Jackson stood with his back to the audience and arms outstretched, just as Jericho did on August 9th. Jericho wanted you to think, is it really him? Before revealing his face to the audience. By asking the question, he got over subtly as a man worth waiting for. Number four, The Undertaker takes it slow. When it comes to The Undertaker in general, yes, I think it's fair to say there are some logistical loopholes. I think we all would agree that, but one of them that always seems to stick out the most is when The Undertaker does his old school rope walk because it just 
really doesn't make any sense. Now, if you want to try and apply some logic, that opponent was supposed to be selling being dazed. But if he was truly knocked on his backside, then he simply would have been on his backside. Nevertheless, the move always got over big, which is, of course, more important than it ever making sense because The Undertaker was such a commanding presence. Now, yes, doing the old school rope walk was not The Undertaker's entrance. However, The Undertaker walking slowly to evoke dread was very much his thing. Yes, it may not be a hot take, but the genius of the entrance that he did is in how it informed the heft of his in-ring work. He would paralyze men in fear from the second that he walked through the curtain. The man was creeping death in his prime spooky years and his deliberate movements were always so much more unsettling than any lighting and resurrection that far too often surrounded his character. Number three, the Sandman accentuates the positives. You see, the thing about the Sandman is that he wasn't particularly good. Or in fairness, more accurately, he was often so blitzed that he forgot how to do the things that he was actually all right at. A far better brawler than his legacy suggests, his super over one-dimensional work was totally committed. What is strange about this though, is that Paul Heyman betrayed his old accentuate the positives, hide the negatives maxim as often as he upheld it. Sandman was promoted in too many long drab matches, but it never mattered. Even when his rabid base lost interest in the worst of his matches, he won them back every night thereafter. The Sandman boasted the best and longest entrance of his day, and it worked so emphatically because it was so drawn out. Entering to the iconic Enter the Sandman, he smoked drank beer and with wonderful dumb jock energy he smashed his own head in before he got to the ring in a ritual that took several minutes. Those fans wanted to bask in his aura more than they wanted to see him work and the Sandman left his brain just enough intact to deliver the goods. Number two, John Cena's undying enthusiasm. Everybody has an opinion on John Cena. It's a strange role after all, the top WWE star of the PG era. They aren't pro wrestling baby faces in the strictest sense but rather beaming brand ambassadors. They're hosts. I mean, they call the Hulk Hogan's of the world guest hosts because the normal hosts of the emulated sporting card are the people that actually fight. They recap last week's show, welcome you to this week's, and generally do things that Stone Cold Steve Austin wouldn't do because he was so goddamn over. And John Cena was the best guy WWE had at a gig that is so strange and dumb when you think about it for more than a second. He was good at it because he liked to do it. He was a prideful workhorse, still is, and this unreal work ethic split opinion. This is a man who was so into being WWE's top guy that he sprinted full pelt into the ring for his entrance. His unbridled enthusiasm connected massively with the family audience. His giddiness was infectious, and it all started with that electric charge to the ring. Naturally, to many others, this was absolutely insufferable. But this did, of course, inform the whole booing and cheering of John Cena that elevated him to an iconic status, demanding that every single person in the arena holds an opinion on John Cena. And number one with a bullet, Cody's entrance tunnel. Now, as I'm sure the man himself would probably tell you, Cody Rhodes has a core professional wrestling philosophy. There is no such thing as a babyface and a heel in the 21st century. Now, you may not agree with that statement, but it's one that he stated adamantly throughout his post-WWE run and has realized it in AEW. His very first AEW match was a masterpiece of texture. He entered the ring as the savior of pro wrestling and worked the match against older brother Dustin as a heel flexing his superior athleticism to inform the intensely emotional crooks. This mentality is illustrated visually by his individual entrance tunnel. There are babyface and heel tunnels erected that put over the kayfabe-friendly idea that the acts are fighting out of the different camps whenever you watch AEW. But Cody, the AVP that bet on a new movement, emerges from his own. He knew that every revolution needs a charismatic leader to galvanize the disenchanted, and he positioned himself as precisely that. And of course, quite rightly, this is received subjectively. But that's exactly how he wants it to be too. He knew well enough that he was courting a backlash, and this self-aggrandizing entrance allowed him to play a situational heel in his bid to make various emerging stars 
throughout 2020. It's a star entrance that amplifies the conceit. When a wrestler beats Cody, and yes, it does happen every now and again, although not as much perhaps as you might like it to, those wrestlers are beating a star. And when they beat a star, they get themselves over as one in the process. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.